Hey guys, it's Shamira, not Shamira. And I know it's been a couple weeks. Um, a lot of navigating through this whole system. Um, I actually did one full podcast with a couple coworkers and that like, we recorded like an hour and a half. I don't even know where it went. Um, the next day we were all kind of happy about the fact that I didn't know where it went because we covered a lot of things that I probably could have edited out, but we, we got really personal. Um, so yeah, that was a, uh, fail in a good way. Um, so glad that, that audio got deleted somehow. I don't even know how that happened, but it did. Um, but we'll do it again. And then the five and a half hour trip to Memphis that we had, I could not get the audio to sound right. So we had a lot of talks and we covered so many things. Um, but every time I tried to play it back, you could hear me or you can hear one of my other cousins, but you could never hear us clearly. So it was really frustrating. Um, so as I navigate through this whole thing, um, I will hopefully get better so that I can have more people on, um, because interestingly enough, uh, a couple of people that I know that have asked, hey, would you be on this with me just to do, you know, a certain topic or something like that? Pe the the um, feedback that I'm getting is pretty positive. Sorry, I'm trying to multitask and I'm not doing very well. <laughs> uh, so for now, I'll just tell you my perspective of our trip um, down south and um, just a couple other things that's kind of happened here and there, but, um, Memphis, dope. Let's start there. The food at this place called the Half Shell was amazing. Oh my gosh, their rolls are to die for. Like, I took a whole bunch of them home. It was so crazy. Uh, let's see. And we went to the, um, Civil Rights Museum. So... The Lorraine Hotel, or Motel, Hotel, Motel, um, where uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, of course, they turned that into a museum. So, uh, there was a lot of moving parts to that museum, and I will tell you the ups and downs of it, and I will try to keep my thoughts very, um, focused so that they, I'm not sending you all the way around into a loop, but um, you walk into the museum. First of all, it's super affordable. So if you've never gone, at least go once. Um, and when they walk you in, so you walk in and you literally start with, hey, here's Africa all these years before. Um, they cover a couple of tribes, um, within certain regions, but it, and I've been doing a lot more studies of just African-American culture or African culture. I don't even know why I say African-American culture. No, African culture. Um, and just the, the different parts, because I think sometimes we forget how huge of a continent it is. Um, we are always taught with images that it's not that big, but it literally is, can carry three continents easily on that one continent. So there's so many 
uh, different tribes there, different dialects, all that fun stuff. So they show you a couple of them. And then um, the visuals. I mean, every part of the first exhibit tells a story. Whether you're looking at the floor or you're looking at the things on the walls. Um, so you walk in to life-size statues of just people. So they literally are a, a regular height, not like what you would see in a book. They are life scale and they have them sitting underneath a boat. So you can get a real idea of what it was like to be a human uh, of normal size squished into the bottom deck of a boat shackled um, which was very I'm, I'm going to just tell you like the walking through the whole museum you go I don't know I, I can only tell you the view from a black person and there's times of heartbreak there's times of anger there's times of all right, we made it through this part, but then when you think about current times, it's like, all right, we think we made it really far, but not so much. Um, so back to, sorry, I'm trying not to, to again, go too far off track. Um, but the, not just the visuals, so they have this audio playing for that exhibit. And you hear the birds like flying around, but then you hear the yelling, the the screaming, and then you hear the splashes of the water from black folks that are just like, I'd rather die than be on this fucking boat. Which is interesting because that we saw that then, and then that became a really um, important line in the movie Black Panther. So everything about these last two weeks have tied into each other some way, somehow. It's really interesting how the universe works and how it puts things into place for whatever reason, whether it's a, a lesson you need to learn, people you need to come into contact with, whatever. I digress. I'm trying to stay focused. So the exhibit takes you through just what some of the tribes are like and then tribes being kidnapped um the different people that were kidnapped because there were people that were taken mistakenly because tribes of course had kings queens princes princesses and some of them were taken mistakenly so i talked about that um one thing that has been coming up more recently than before, not that it wasn't coming up before, um, is the whole Afro-Latina um, category and what that means. And before we went, I watched, um, i trying to find his name, I watched a um, radio interview, and give me a second, I'm going to try to find his name as I speak. Um, of Lorenzo, what is this, Lorenz, not Lorenz Tate, I definitely know who that is, let's see, what is his name, 
Oh, Laz Alonzo. That's what it was. Uh, and he was on a radio show. And I don't know what the show is. I just know Melissa Ford was on it. And she was basically like, hey, you know, you talk about, in a nutshell, you talk about all these black issues, but you're not even black. You're Cuban, right? And his response, in a nutshell, was, we need to get over all of this separate uh, separating of who's black and who's not. He says, yes, I'm Cuban, but I'm black first. And basically, the only thing that separates me from him, um, me being a black person that was born in the United States versus him that was born in Cuban, is a boat stop. And that was a part of the exhibit. So they show you how they went from Africa to South America to North America and all the other places in between. So it was it was interesting to have that interview pop up before my trip and then a Facebook memory where I posted something very similar to that and then get there and then you have that kind of tie into everything. So then it takes you into um, slavery and what people were responsible for and, you know, things of that nature. Um, and then you watch a 12 minute video that basically takes you from slavery to the um, Jim Crow era. So you watch that video, which is incredibly powerful. And I loved how honest it was. You know, it talked about um, how we're taught Abe Lincoln basically was, oh, free of the slaves. But he really didn't do it because he liked the slaves. He did it for to kind of just throw off um, some other things that were going on. So it was like, here, I'll take your slaves. And then now you don't have this as a bargaining chip. So, um that was really cool. And then you go into, from that exhibit, or from that video, you go into the next exhibit, and it talks about the Jim Crow era. Now, mind you, when we get through this, it's white people in this museum. And we're, tr you know, it's, first of all, I don't care how black you are, where you come from. Anytime you get a chance to take a step back and look at that that kind of stuff it's really important to kind of see it because we're only taught such a small piece and i like the fact that it showed some of the things that were not taught in school about who we were before because so many times emphasis is put on slavery as if that's the start of our our heritage and our culture when it's bullshit um but i also think the reason why we are having so many issues in our country is because history is repeating ourselves and history usually repeats itself when people don't learn the lesson from it. Kind of like Groundhog Day in the movie where you, it just keeps happening until you have that aha moment. And until we have that, we're going to keep reliving it. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but then you go through that and you have white people there and they're just kind of like looking at it, but kind of skipping through and we got to the area, my cousins go, you see this? And it was talking about lynchings. And I said, there's no way in hell I'm looking at the lynching section while there's white people here because I will, I, it'll just make you want to fight. Like, And as a black person, I don't know any black person that wouldn't have that reaction. Whether you act on it or not, I just don't know any black person that wouldn't have that reaction. So that was one section that I skipped for the most part. But there were so many interactive things in there. So there were... Um, parts where you can pick up a telephone and listen to whether they were black or white who did live through those lynchings so they didn't talk about the lynchings directly like there was a white woman that talked about she the the fact that she got 
involved into civil rights because she, her students, she was a teacher, her students conned her into going to a lynching without telling her. So they couldn't go to this lynching without, as a field trip, basically, without supervision. So they didn't tell her it was a lynching. They just told her, hey, there's something going on in town. We would really like to see it. Can you take us? Um, and that was her first time seeing a lynching. And she was just, you know, thrown, taken, basically taken aback by the amazement in some of these people's eyes. The entertainment in some of these people's eyes as they watch someone die for some BS reason. Um, I loved that it covered because, again, we're taught Rosa Parks was the reason for the whole, um, the, the whole, um, geez, why am I drawing a blank, um, boycott on, for the buses. So, hey, you are told that she just didn't want to get up because her feet was tired and that was that. And they did. They had a replica of a bus, which... My cousin set me up. I knew they were coming in and run. I was looking at another exhibit before that one and it surpassed me, of course, because I was, there were certain things I was trying to take in and there were things that they were taking into, but at a different pace. Um, and I seen them come running back and they were talking about something, but I wasn't paying attention. And so there's this replica of this bus and I think I'll post it on my Instagram too, because it literally scared the crap out of me. Because you walk on the bus and there's these statues and it's a statue of a, a bus driver and then you walk, so they allow you to take a step up onto the bus and then you see Rosa Parks sitting in the, the seat. But what they don't tell you is this statue is going to start yelling at you out of fucking nowhere. He's not yelling at me, he's yelling at her, but I didn't know and it scared the shit out of me and that's what they came running off of the bus from because they just had a statue just yelling and they weren't prepared for it <laughs> and that was so once i realized what they were running from it was pretty fucking hilarious one of those i wish my phone was recording moments any hooters um what i appreciated is they talked about the two other women that did it first um and what i don't remember is the second woman why they didn't kind of push her in that direction. I know the first woman, they kind of pushed her aside because she was a teen and she was pregnant. And that wasn't, that wasn't a battle that they wanted to fight at that point. Um, so it was nice that they showed that. Um, let's see, we go through and there's all kinds of other things. Like there's so many people that you may have never even heard their names of and they talked about the sit-ins um and they have a, a um like a exhibit not really an exhibit like a mini replica of people sitting at a counter and some of the people you can pick up another telephone and they talk about hey what they went through with that or the freedom ride and you know going to jail and all of that fun stuff um so you listen to that then i'm I'm trying to get through it pretty quickly but there were so many things we were there for about two and a half hours and that wasn't wasn't in any way enough time um you get through that and i had a moment where i was so incredibly proud um again things that tie into things that happen later on um but I get into an area and I'm like, hey, this looks real familiar. I'm from Oakland. 
um, born and raised. My mom is from Oakland too, and she lived in, um, she was raised in West Oakland with Panthers. Um, so it was, she has that history directly connected to her. Uh, let's see. So yeah, um, having the Oakland background with not only being from there, my mom being from there, my dad's not from there, but, um, to get into this area in a whole nother state and they're talking about Black Panthers in Oakland, um, which with such high regard, like it was just dope. Um, just really dope. And it was just one of those moments I just wanted to sit in for a little bit and just look at as much as I possibly could. Those are stories that I just, I can't hear enough. Um, let's see. So going through, so that was the, the portion, like you get to that part and you come to the end. Um, and it shows basically what his room, his hotel room looked like. And then you realize that you're on the other side of that door where he was murdered. So this is where things get a little weird. So I didn't spend a lot of time in that section, mostly because, you know, when you're a black kid, that's pretty much who they teach you about. <laughs> so I wasn't too interested in that little section uh, for the moment. Um, you walk out and they give you, your ticket gets you into the Legacy Museum too. So there's uh, another portion right across the street. So that's where it gets weird. So you're there and you're looking at this museum across the street and you get upstairs and you realize what it is. And it's this, the, the place where supposedly um, the gunman shot from the bathroom uh, window to kill Martin Luther King Jr. So you get in there and you're like, okay, wait, they literally just memorialized a murderer. And it talks about, you know, James Earl Ray, did he do it? Was he by himself? Um, and they go through a lot of different um, conspiracy theories and different investigations and things. Um, but whether it was him or not, it's just kind of weird to be standing in a space that is literally memorialized and they they have the the bathroom window where the shot was supposed to have taken place the window still cracked open they have like the the gross original like toilet and there's this big huge plexiglass so you can see from the viewpoint and I don't think we really wrapped our minds around the fact that this is where we were walking over to. But you get there and you're like, Jesus, they are really capitalizing on it. And so that was the moment where it got kind of weird for me. Because um, you're looking and you're taking pictures and you're like, this man died here. And, you know, you have... I don't know about some of your listeners, but I come from um, a large family and there are some not great deaths in my family, a few murders, and to just think, like, what if 
I had to walk past a museum that literally just had all these things frozen in time to where my family member was killed. And then it like glorified the person who did it or possibly did it, whatever the case may be. So you're, I was still processing that as I walked out and I was taking just a picture of the Lorraine um, motel, just the sign itself. And I looked over to my left and there was this woman and her name was, I think, Jackie Smith, um, who lived in that hotel before it became, um, uh, museum and it was interesting because I didn't realize that that place was still operating so uh, in 88 she had a uh, a little article that was about her and she literally had to be kicked out of there like sheriffs taking her out um, so she was protesting the place and she had a sign and so she had been protesting for 30 days or 30 years and 15 days. And it was interesting to me that I had to walk over to her to find out what she was protesting, even though we were standing in close proximity. Like I could look at her. I was literally just across the street. Um, so I could see her sign. I could see that she was protesting, but she was quiet. She didn't try to make eye contact or get my attention in any way. So we talked, she told me about her protests and why. Um, so I leave from there, go meet my cousins who were uh, so across the street, one more street uh, eating, cause you know, we like to eat. And I get there and I'm talking to them about this woman who's protesting. And one of my cousins had kind of the same thought that I had, but I was trying to figure out where, what everyone had to what everyone had to say about it. So this woman was protesting. She had been working there and living at the Lorraine um, Motel for what, 15 years. Um, and they got everyone out because they wanted to turn this into a museum. And she was hell bent on not leaving because she felt that it shouldn't be a museum. While we, you know, again, just, um, memorialize the place where this man was killed instead of turning it into something that would uh, be beneficial to the community. Um, something that would help live out his dream, I guess, in, in a way. So her thoughts were, you know, they could have turned this into maybe not a homeless shelter, but some sort of homeless, um, um, I guess a shelter, but not in the traditional sense. So a homeless shelter, but they had, you know, things that could be, uh, used to educate. So some sort of vocational training or something like that. Um, she, I can't remember all the ideas, but she had, I mean, great ideas. Um, and some of her frustration was that the city didn't own it. The city, what the people in the community wasn't going to benefit from it. And then the gentrification that was going to come from it, which, I mean, you walk over there and I could count the black people on two hands. And that's only because 
we took up almost one of them. <laughs> uh, and where we went to go eat at a barbecue joint that was literally perfectly placed right in walking distance. Um, but it wasn't black owned. So you factor in what this city was at that time um, and what it could have done for a, a community. But the, the service that it's providing is great, but who's profiting from it, I guess. Uh, and then when you read articles that Coretta Scott wasn't really gung-ho about that being there. So when you think about his wife that didn't think that that was a great idea, and it was still put up anyway. So it's kind of one of those like, yeah, I know that's your husband. I know you lost him, but I don't really care what your thought process is on it. We're going to do this and we're going to make money from it. But it's so educational. So that was the kind of the torn portion of it. Um, how could you do this in a way where we can still get that information done, but maybe just put it somewhere else? And it was interesting to hear one of my cousin's thought process. And she, she's like, she's been doing this for 30 years. Uh, she tripping. And not that she's tripping for doing it. Like, we all respected her her protests about it. It was, here we are in 2018, though, and you're giving me an article from 1988. We're in a digital times now. You And again, like I said, I had to ask her what she was protesting. She didn't tell me. So it's, how do you take this to the next level so that you can be heard, so that if someone was to Google Civil Rights Museum Memphis, your protest should be, like, if it's not the line right below it, it should be a couple lines below it. You know, how do you stay relevant? So that was um, a really interesting thing to go and be a part of. Um, would I go again? Again, I'm torn with that, but there were so many things that I wanted to see just that I couldn't really, um, that I couldn't really enjoy much. Not that I couldn't enjoy it. It was just, I couldn't take in everything. So they had this whole section on the Brown versus Board of Education, um, and how that played out, <clears throat> excuse me. And there were so many moving parts of that and not really knowing some of the names that were a part of it other than Thurgood Marshall. So there, one of those things where I, I definitely want to go back and I feel bad for wanting to go back, but I feel great for wanting to go back too because it, there was so much information that I, I felt like I need to get it. I want to have it. And yeah, so that was that part. Um... New Orleans, oh man, the food, the drinks, I drank every day, <laughs> except I never got drunk, which was dope, um, we lucked up on a great hotel, and we were able to see the parade from our room, if we didn't want to go down, and they have a parade every couple of hours, there's a fireworks show, there's just so much stuff. Man, um, but I'm trying to keep my podcast down to about 30 minutes, so I think I'll stop this one here and then um, do a separate one on 
New Orleans and some of the things that tied in back into the weeks of coming back. Um, but yeah, the, the Civil Rights Museum, it was just so many things like the li there was a lot of the movie Black Panther crossing in with that too. Um, so it was really cool because when we came back home from it, we, let's see, we got back home on Wednesday and we went, uh, I went with my family on Thursday to see Black Panther and it was just a lot of things that kind of connected there, which was really cool, but I will end this podcast here and I will catch you on the next one and that will go over some of my New Orleans trips and or some parts of my New Orleans trip and P.S. ignore some of the things I said because I know I said he was from Cuban and I'm at Cuba but you know whatever ignore me <laughs> uh, so yeah thank you for listening and I look forward to hearing you guys' messages and call-ins, um, and I'll talk to you guys soon.